So, a couple weeks ago, we did a, a, um, a visit with the Diamond Sutra, where um, the, the disciple, Sabuti, <coughs> you know, is, is impressed with the Buddha. You know, basically, he's living in a good way. He's teaching. Whatever he has, Sabuti says, you know, I want to get that. So, Sabuti is asking, you know, what's the way that, you know, the Bodhisattva should conduct themselves? And, um, you know, the Buddha responded saying, wherever they go, it's, you know, they should have this uh, direction of, of cultivating and supporting the awakening of all beings. And yet, not cling to any idea that a single being has been liberated, because to do so would be to at be attached to a self, a person, a living thing, or a lifespan. And any of those attachments will put you deep into the, the thicket. That's that, that as soon as you do that, you are um, creating this I am helping you. And um, also, you know, from that follow all other kinds of attachments, the subtle attachments, you know, attachment to enlightenment, or the, you know, more obvious attachment, which is attachment to this thing that I possess, you know, whatever, you know, the Black Friday special is. Okay, so you know that... And I sent a lot of it off to people. Mm. Yes, it's, it becomes pretty apparent. That's the not-so-subtle attachment. Because it was supposed to all be for them, not me. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So then, um, the Buddha asked Subhuti, did the Tathagata achieve a dharma such as unexcelled perfect enlightenment? No, because sages arise from what is uncreated. So the, the, the what's uncreated, the pure emptiness. You know, so there, on that absolute level, there is no dharma. If we attach to something called the dharma, then we're going to be carrying it around with us, like a person who has already crossed the river and is still carrying the raft. That's great. You know, so even... Um, as valuable as gold dust is, if it gets in the eyes, it obscures the vision. So even in this practice, you know, we could get attached to perceptions, and um, they could, would still be attachments. You know, so we already have it. You know, everything's already complete. So Sabuti, Sabuti is the protagonist of this whole story because. He, among all the disciples, understands emptiness the best. That's why the Diamond Sutra is a dialogue between the Buddha and Subhuti. But Subhuti has his own issues, and so we're, we're going to help him with that. You know, there's, you know there's, the emptiness can also be another lens to free oneself from. You know, so... Um, Tao Chun... Um, you know, a, a, a Chinese sage commentary said, if it's cold, say it's cold. If it's hot, say it's hot. You know, so that the Dharma body has no form, but it's expressed according to conditions. 
you know, if you see someone who's wandering west, you tell them to go to the east. If you see someone who's going east, you tell them to go to the west. Right? If, if you're pointing out the way, then you're, you're expressing it according to conditions. You know, so if there's someone who has a lot of issues, like they're really too focused on their body. You know, you might say, you know, here in Southern California, it's not really about the body. And then there might be someone else who is, you know, living a short distance from their body. And in that case, you know, the right teaching would be, you know, get in your body, you know, spend some time getting to know your body. So that the teaching is not, you know, this sort of absolute, but it's expressed following conditions. So as Tao Chan says, if it's cold, say it's cold. If it's hot, say it's hot. My song goes, clouds rise on the south slope, rain falls on the north slope. How many times were you a horse or a donkey? Regard the flowing water with no nature of its own. It can fit into anything, either square or round. You know, so clouds rise on the south slope, rain falls on the north slope. That means that, you know, apart from any idea, cause and effect are clear. You know, if, if there's a, you know, there's, there's a cause, then there's an effect. How many times were you a horse or donkey? Tao Chung is kind of irreverent that way. You know, so he's saying, you know, don't, you know, don't attach to this flowing water, which is this body, you know, this life, you know, this human form. You know, in some way, what we are is, is beyond any of that. We're being what? We're, we're, not, we're not this form. We're not this body. Okay. You know, we're not this lifespan. You know, what we are could be compared to flowing water. The donkey, you could have been a donkey or a horse, who knows? I think I was, <laughs> a donkey. Okay. Well, glad we got that clear. <laughs> I found that out when I went backpacking. That I enjoyed the weight on my back. <laughs> you never know. Okay, so here's a, here's a story that comes from um, the, the sixth patriarch. You know, so the, the, the sixth patriarch, he had grown up as a, as a woodcutter. He was just chopping wood and selling the firewood to support his widowed mother. Someday in the marketplace, he heard a monk reciting lines from the Diamond Sutra. Don't attach to anything that arises in the mind. So hearing that, um, Weenang went and said, you know, tell me, where do you get that from? That sounds really, really like, you know, truth. So the monk told him, you know, pointed the way towards this temple. It was, was a, going to be a long journey. It was in the northern China. And um, Weineng lived in, in southern China. So he had to go traveling up and around. And, and then finally when he gets there, the patriarch of the temple says to him, you know, you're from the south? those barbarians of the south. <coughs> and um, Weenang says, in, in human uh, society, there is north or south, but where in the Buddha nature is there north or south? You know, that there's something beyond that. 
So then the fifth patriarch realizes this is a, a, a real student. He's got something. And, um, but he gives him the job of pounding the rice. The pounding rice. So when you harvest the rice, it has to be pounded so the, the hull comes off and it's edible. So, so Weineng has the job of pounding rice. And <coughs> sometimes this monk, you know, who is the patriarch, says, I'm going to have to retire soon, so I need to find a successor. And this one um, monk, the head monk, writes a poem on the wall. It says, the body is a Bodhi tree. The mind is the clear mirror stand. Always clean it. Don't let the dust alight. So that's a, a little bit of a dualistic approach. The idea that this, 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 you know, the body is the tree, that the mirror is the mind, and you have to keep cleaning it. So, so Weenang writes his own poem. He says, Bodhi, enlightenment has no tree. The clear mirror has no stand. Originally, there's nothing. You know, so where do you get the dust? If you don't make anything, th there's no place for the dust to cling to. So Weenang was recognized as the, the, the successor, the sixth patriarch. But then in this in this uh, sequence, there's a, a poem added later. Actually, there isn't a thing, much less any dust to wipe away. Who can get this straight doesn't need to sit there still. You know, so you realize, you know, that, you, that there's, there's something beyond the reach of language. You know, there, there's... To grasp it would be like grasping space. But here's the thing, if you attach to emptiness, that's another wall. You know, the Dharma doesn't exist in a solid way. And, you know, there isn't um, a, a manual that you, you can look to and that says, um, yes, you should um, do this or you shouldn't do that. You but the Dharma does, it, it, exist in the sense that it's used to help beings. You know, so there is, there's not, there's no dharma, but there's also not no dharma. That's a little tricky. Tao Chun answers the question, what does no dharma mean? My song goes, if there's something, you can't find it. If there's nothing, you can't find it. In the open, empty sky, Flying birds leave no trace. Spin the wheel and it comes round. East, west, north, or south, let it come and go. You know, so we live in this physical world. You know, like the, like, uh, just as the birds, you know, leave no footprints on the sky. You know, we can move through this world, you know, without getting attached or encumbered by it you know, be in the world without, without being of the world. So a few months ago now, maybe, I shared something from the poem Trust in Mind, which was written by the third Zen patriarch. And in that one, it says, the great way is not difficult for those who make no distinctions. 
when heaven, uh, um, the difference of a single hair and heaven and earth are separate. A tenth of an inch of difference and, and heaven and earth are separate. Which means all the time when we're able to flow with our life, where there's no separation. But every once in a while we get a bit stuck or mind gets in the way. You know, and so when we're able to uh, release that, then um, we're able to be one with our life. You know, we can get enlightenment just where we are. So that brings us to chapter 8. If a noble son or daughter filled the billion worlds with seven jewels and offered these, would their merit be great? And uh, so Buddha says, yes, of course. You know, so Buddha says, the merit of remembering and reciting four lines of this sutra will be still greater. From this are born Buddhas and Bhagavans. So th we already talked about how there's, you know, there's no dharma to attach to, but at the same time, human beings do need the dharma. You know, we need, you know, we need some help waking up. You know, so the, in the, the commentary it says, by such means are humans liberated. We Ning, actually, the sixth patriarch commented on this. He said, if we realize nothing and teach nothing, might we not vanish into emptiness? You know, so he's saying you can't hold on to even emptiness. What's the definition of dharma? Dharma. So dharma, in the Buddhist sense, the Hindu understanding is a little different. In the Buddhist sense, the dharma originally referred to the teaching of the historical Buddha, and then in a bigger way, it refers to all the teaching of the Buddhist sages or teachers. But in a basic way, it just means truth. So if you ask me what time it is, and I say it's a quarter to 12, that's dharma, that's truth. Huh. I always thought it was like work or something you were supposed to do to get meaning. That's not true. Right, that's a little closer to may maybe a Hindu understanding, but in, in Buddhism, dharma means truth. Truth. Yeah. So why are we offering the seven jewels? If a noble son or daughter filled the billion worlds with seven jewels. So seven, there's seven stars in the Big Dipper. Um, you know, so the Big Dipper, of course, contains the North Star. And the North Star is our clear compass that's been that way since the beginning of time. People have looked to the North Star. And of, the, of course, the Big Dipper moves around the North Star. And that, that shape is actually called the Sun Bastika. You know, that you watch the, 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 the movement of the stars around the Big Dipper, then you know basically where you are. So, the merit of remembering and reciting four lines of the sutra will be still greater. So, we've already said there's no dharma, you know, um, also, there's no, there's no merit. You know, whatever is said to be a body of merit is said to be no body. Thus, it is a body of merit. That's like a, the, the kind of construction, a dialectic that happens a lot in, in the Diamond Sutra. You, you sort of, it's sort of like in the beginning of Zen, mountains are mountains and rivers are rivers. When I start practicing Zen, you know, someone said a long time ago, 
then I realized that mountains were no longer mountains and the rivers were no longer rivers. Then having practiced Zen, I understand that mountains and rivers are again mountains and rivers. So as we start practicing, we have to let go. You know, we have to... Um, yeah, yeah, we have to let go of our traditional way of seeing, our old story. But we can't attach even to the result of stripping down to emptiness because that would be what we call Zen sickness. To say, well, everything's empty, so I'm going to feed the children tomorrow. <laughs> that would not be clear. That would not be helpful. That would not be the bodhisattva path. The truth thing. Yeah. The statement was, there is no truth. Well, there, well there is no, there's no truth to hold on to. There's, there's, to, even a single statement would be like a stake in the ground to which a donkey could be tied for 10,000 years. So the, in this sutra, the Buddha is trying to help you know, his disciples understand that even the dharma, you know, like even gold dust, if it gets in the eyes, can obscure the vision. So even a dharma perception you know, could be something that we hold on to too tightly. Yeah, there is. There is. The Thich Nhat Hanh wrote a nice book about the Diamond Sutra. And, and about truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you're writing about the Diamond Sutra, you're writing about the nature of truth. Okay. You could also pick up, if you feel inclined, you could pick up the book I use, which is the Diamond Sutra Translation by Red Pine. He's a friend of mine in the Dharma and a... a Okay, we'll preserve that conversation on okay. the podcast for posterity. Okay. Um, so, all right. So there's there's a story. You know, that there's a, a in this in this chapter. You know, the Buddha is saying, whosoever memorizes, you know, this gatha, you know, this, you know, even four lines from the sutra and recites them, will have more merit than the person who offers a billion universes full of gems. So then there's a sage, Vasubandhu, who had special powers. He ascended to the Tushita Palace, which is, Tushita is the highest Buddhist heaven. So somehow he used his abilities, his psychic abilities, to ascend to the Tushita Palace to ask Maitreya, the future Buddha, which gatha is it? I need to know which gatha it is because I want gatha. So gatha is a four-line poem. So the Buddha has just said, whoever recites this four line from the Diamond Sutra will have more merit than if they were to offer, you know, the seven gems in, through a billion universes. So then you, we, we all want to know which one is it because I want to I have that. So Maitreya answered, no perception of a self, a human being, a living thing, or a lifespan you know, or soul. Sometimes we translate as soul. Everything's impermanent. Once we realize that, we have this great freedom. So sometime when I was at Omega Institute in New York, I, I was teaching a class on Zen and creativity. And you know, creativity is one of those things. People, as soon as they sit down to be creative, they get all this kind of block about. Oh yeah, <coughs> definitely. Watercolor. Yeah, yeah. So what we were doing was we were having people practice using sumi ink brushes, dipping the brushes in water, 
writing with water on newsprint. And you don't then have so much fear because you can see there's nothing to attach to. When I went to China in, in the park in the early morning, 4.30 in the morning, that this painting was roughly drawn by cement. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, that's the way to do it because then you completely see, you can't hold on to it, and that's liberating. You know, it's, it's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to lose, basically. Yes. And so in that way, there's always nothing to lose. You know, that's what Steve Jobs said in his, you know, one of the last speeches of his life. He said, there's, you're already naked. You know, there's no reason not to follow your heart. You know, so as we did that, we all realized there's nothing to attach to, and that's both, a, you know, a source of maybe some grief, but then also the joy. It's the freedom to live the life that we are truly here to live. So that's the, if, if you were wondering which four lines would give you this immeasurable merit, which is greater than offering the seven gems to a billion universes, <coughs> those are the four lines. No, no self, no human being, no living thing, no lifespan or soul. So don't attach to the, this is, you know, this is I, me, my. Don't attach to like human beings, separating out human being from other living things. And then how are we to say, you know, living thing, you know, what about the water? What about the stones? or the lifespan or soul. If we, if we don't hold on to something that's continuing. Is lifespan the same as soul? There are different translations. And some translations, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh uses lifespan, Red Pine uses soul. You know, I, I would say that Thich Nhat Hanh is a very high class teacher. Red Pine is a very high class teacher. Who am I to decide whether it should be lifespan or soul? So I'm giving you both. So Let's just go over those again. So there's there's no, no lifespan, no right. human. But well, there's no, no self. No self. That's that's the first one because we're all interested in the self, and we all already understand everything is changing. But somehow we think that we won't change. Okay, so there's no self. There's no human being, because you know why are we separating human being from the things that aren't human beings? There's no living thing. Because how can we say, you know, if the, the living thing is composed of non-living things, right? The living thing <laughs> is composed of the breakfast that happened this morning, the air that, that we breathe, you know, the, um, the earth that we walk, you know, all the, the, the other beings that come in contact. You know, dependent upon the air, the water, the trees, the rocks. Also, no lifespan, you know, so only everything continues. Okay. Everything continues like that flowing river. It's interesting because Celtic philosophy believes that the, that the land was living. Yeah, yeah, so how about that? Who are we to say? <laughs> okay, so then... Um, if there, then I, I think a natural question comes up, how could one no body of merit be greater than another no body of merit? You know, we already said there's, no, there's nothing to attain, there's no body of merit.
But the thing is, don't make the mistake of falling into the, the Zen sickness of emptiness. Just because, don't think that just because things are empty of separate existence, they are useless. So the Dharma <coughs> itself, you know, it's empty of separate existence and we can't attach to it, but we're going to use it because human beings need to find their way. Right. So, you know, so the, it's sort of like being, an, uh, my teacher would say, a number one good actor. We're here to play a role. We need to play it full out. You know, it's like, yes, uh, absolutely, this I, you know, Ji Hung, it's empty. But, you know, still, I have this body-mind, and it's my job in this lifetime to use it well, you know, yeah. to put it out there. And, and why not, right? Because that's the way we, that's, it's a game in a, in a sense, but it's a game that we play joyfully and wholeheartedly. So, um, so then there's co there commentaries on the, that gatha, you know, the, the, there's one sage who says, it's like someone whose lamp lights a thousand other lamps. You know, though that gatha, you know, is small, it, its effects can lead directly to enlightenment. So that's why, you know, it's pithy. Um, but if you just get that part, that could be enough, actually. So Tao Chun has another irreverent poem for us. If you fill a billion worlds with jewels, such merit won't get you past gods and men. But who knows merit has no nature of its own, doesn't need money to buy sunshine or wind. It's it's kind of neat, right? It's like you you could. Very Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Very Black Friday. Yeah. Okay, so this sutra is like the earth. You know, it's from this sutra, you know, the bodhisattvas and the Buddhas are born. In the Heart Sutra, which is a classic Zen, classic Zen text, you know, everyone in Zen everywhere chants the Heart Sutra. And in the Heart Sutra, it says, all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas depend on prajna paramita. Prajna paramita, prajna means wisdom, non-dual wisdom. Paramita is the perfection of wisdom. So all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas depend on non-dual wisdom. So how do you get to non-dual wisdom? You get to non-dual wisdom by realizing there is no self, there is no human being, right? There's no living thing, and there's no lifespan. You know, these things don't exist separately. They don't exist as things. Mm -hmm. um, prajna is the mother of all Buddhas. Non-dual wisdom is, is the mother of all Buddhas because it's non-dual wisdom that gives birth to Buddhas. And uh, one sage uh, commented, he said, the mother is known by the children. You know, so we know non-dual wisdom through its fruit. That when we come to that place before thinking, before any idea, that's, that's you could say, the dwelling place of all Buddhas. That's the place of awakening. It's like seeing without seeing or hearing without hearing. The mind and the world are empty and completely pure. Pure. Pure, yeah. Like clear water. There's no filter. 
you know, we see clearly, we hear clearly, and then we respond spontaneously um, to help all beings. And that, my friends, is 12 o'clock. <laughs>